Hey, it's the Real Estate Steps Podcast. Welcome to your number one resource for real estate information. Hey, everybody. It's time once again for our podcast of Real Estate Steps. How you doing, Nick? Good, man. How are you? Good. Who, who do we have with us here today? We have today... Uh, a buddy of mine, Albert Chavez with United Wholesale Lending, and he's going to give us the lowdown and all the good and bad stuff that's coming out of the loan industry, uh, which is, you know, something that's close to my heart because I did loans for a couple of years, and, uh, if, you know, I, I finally got smart and left and doing real estate now. So all the ho- loan guys out there, man, I tell you what, my hat is off to you because that's a tough industry to make a buck in. But Albert is one of the best, and I appreciate that he's here. So say hello, Albert. Hello, Albert. <laughs> hello, Albert. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. No, I'm actually uh, uh, honored. Looking forward to this. I've done a couple of things and a couple of these. And uh, like last night, I actually had the, the jitters and I'm nervous. Like, what am I going to talk about? What are we going to do? But the bottom line, it's it's all information. There's a lot out there. I think where I come from is that the more that people investigate, like internet stuff, the more they get confused. Yeah. So yeah. the bottom line is these, these platforms that we're doing now will enable borrowers and clients and other realtors and other lenders just to take a step back to like what am i doing can i make it more simple uh let's simplify the process and let's not make it so daunting for clients right well don't have the jitters albert we'll be gentle (laughs) (laughs) i'm good before we get started real quick okay guys uh because albert's going to lead into this i want to talk about if you're a renter out there um you are paying a mortgage you're just not paying your own mortgage i did a little uh, spreadsheet here you know, that shows uh, what people are paying in rent. And I'm going to pick uh, two subjects, typical one bedroom home. And I'm, I'm specifically talking about the, the city of Sacramento. Okay. okay. I know that if you go into areas like Roseville or Folsom, the rents are higher. Right. But I'm going to talk about Sacramento. So your typical one bedroom apartment's about $1,300. Okay. If you're paying rent in one year, you're going to pay $15,600 wow. in rent. In two years, it's $31,200. In three years, it's $46,800. Now, that's a a pretty good down payment, right, Albert, on a house? Absolutely. And what actually uh, the cliff notes of that on the bottom need to say this is people are talking about interest rates. Yeah. Those rents, it's a 100% interest rate. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Think about that, okay? Yeah. Nothing's being applied to them. Yep. They're paying 100%. So they're talking about rates being 4%, right? Right. Principal and interest? Yes. Right. It's 100%. <laughs> okay, so typical three-bedroom is about, and, and I think this number's low, but I'm going to go with this, about 1800 a month, okay, to mm-hmm. rent. Uh, again, if you're doing that in one year, it's $21,600 that you're paying. In two years, it's $43,200. In three years, you've paid $64,800. Uh, five years, you've paid over $108,000 for rent. So if you're renting and you've been in that house for five years, man, you got to buy a house because yeah. you, you are just, I mean, your landlord loves you, okay, because you're paying down his equity, but you've got to get out of that. So be smart, folks. Uh, Albert's going to talk about loans and getting into loan, loan programs. So take it away, Albert. Whenever I meet with clients, the, the first thing I do is I step back to realize where I was at when I first bought a home, okay? And the reality is my lender sucked. Um, because it was so daunting. I was in the business yet. I was 25 years old. Our industry makes it so daunting to buy a home. There's all these numbers and all these programs and this and that. And so what people understand is they got to step, take a step back and understand how do you get a house? Like what's the first thing? The first thing you got to do is budget. 
Like you got to figure out like where am I at? So some of those folks that are renting, some some of them need to rent. Let's be real. We all need to rent at some point in time. Yeah. But what they realize is that they could save 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars a month by just cutting back on the little things. Maybe instead of having coffee every single day that's a five dollar coffee or maybe not going out as much is take a look and budget and see where am i at and what i need to fix it's the hardest part to the loan is getting someone to figure out because now you're taking a microscope on your own self and saying what am i really not doing right and what can i do better that's the biggest advice to give everybody is budget and then once you budget then figure out how much you need to save and that's when they talk, they talk to lender, like, what, how does it work? Like, what do I need to do? I had talked to someone yesterday and she's like, literally, she's like, I don't even know where to start. What do I do? You know, do I pay all this debt off? And I said, well, when do you want to buy a house? She's like, in the next six months, I go, I'll drill down a little bit more. So if you found the house today, would you put an offer? She's like, yes. Great. So you want to buy like now, if you could. Awesome. Then we're going to look at what your credit looks like and what your debt have, what kind of debt you have and what your income is. And let's just figure out what you can afford. And then we can figure out how much you need for the down payment. And she's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, this is not, this is not even like, let's not buy a house in your mind already. Let's figure out what you need to do to buy a house. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part for people is they want to jump right into it, but they don't know how to take the steps to understand the process. So um, one of the things that I, I run into with people is they get all spooked. I don't want to give you all my information. Oh, I don't want to, you know, what about the security? Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, and once I do that, and I, and I think that's sort of like a smoke screen because what you're really doing is you're challenging their mindset, mm-hmm. getting into their business. And a lot of people don't, they're not down with that, <laughs> getting in their business. And yeah. so how do you assure that a person of that, you know, handing over your, their stuff to you? <laughs> yeah, so the, the bottom line really is you got to find out where they're at. Like mm-hmm. seriously, it's 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 really about, talking to the client and say, okay, here's a deal. Like, here's what I feel a lot of agents fail, okay? Is get so enamored at showing houses that they've never really interviewed the client. Like, what's their hot button? Like, what's their emotion? Like, why are they looking to buy? Is someone pregnant? Are they looking to relocate? Like, what's their hot point? Right. You find that hot point out, and then you say, okay, awesome. Let's say, for example, you know someone's family's pregnant, and they're going to give birth in a couple of months. They got three months to buy. But do you think that wife really wants to buy when she's about two weeks away from having a baby? No, that's just too much stress. So what you do is you sit back and say, okay, here's the deal. You guys want to buy in the next three months because of this circumstance. Here's what I recommend. Right? If you really, really, really need to go, here's what you need to do. A, you need to talk to a lender. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at your credit and they'll look at your income. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because you're going to want to, you're going to see a house you're going to fall in love with and we can't put offers because you're not ready yet. Right. It's very intrusive. It feels like they're interrogating you. And the reason why is because there was a meltdown 12, 13 years ago, and the lenders are super just picky about things. We'd rather find out any red flags now than when you're excited to put an offer. And then now we can't put an offer because you didn't do the legwork, and now you're super stressed. So I think we'll take a step back and just find out. Let's not push people into houses. Let's let them walk to the house, right? Yeah. And they'll figure out a way. So the answer to your question is find their hot button and then be honest with them. Like, here's what we're up against. You know, you got to do this because this is the process. And once you go through the process, then you'll be able to get the house you want. So I think it's about talking with them, just giving them nuts and bolts. But a lot of realtors, they're scared 
of that conversation because they don't want to lose the client. Right. So that's where you as agents need to make sure that you buy them coffee and sit down with them and, and be their friend. They trust you because they're you're their trusted advisor. They don't know the lender they're working with, and so that's why they're so spooked is because they get comfortable with you, but they're not drawn to the process, and so they get spooked about it. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than working with a client, uh, searching for homes, finding the house they love, putting an offer on the house, and then they don't qualify because they weren't properly vetted right. by the loan officer. Great point. Okay. Uh, so don't, don't work backwards folks. And I'm talking to my real estate friends out there and a lot of them know this, you know, take the extra step, get them vetted first and then spend time with them because everything could change. They may think they can afford a $500,000 house when in actuality, after you talk to the loan agent, you find out, no, you know, really they can afford a $400,000 house. Exactly. So go in there knowing what you're doing. So that's just something yesterday, that conversation, um, with a client and, uh, you know, we all have great intentions about what we're going to do, right? Client came to me, she's um, talked to her on the phone, very qualified. I did her loan app, she did everything in, but then I wanted to find out where's the money coming from. She only had about four grand in the bank. She's trying to put down on a $350,000 house, you need about 20 grand. So I called her, I'm like, so where's the rest of the money coming from? She's like, well, I'm actually looking at a builder, and by the time it's done, I'll have the money. And I said, okay, so let me give you a couple of suggestions. Number one, it's right now, if you're trying to buy a house, you wouldn't be able to perform, right? What happens is between now and six months, stuff can happen. You might be able to save your money up, but what if you lose your job? Or what if this happens and you can't save? We need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. She's like, I go, do you have a 401k? She's like, yes, I do. I'm like, then there you go. How much do you have in there? About 30000 Then we have our backup plan. There you go. Right? So then she texts me this morning and says, I found out because I said, before you, we, we commit to the 401k, make sure you understand the withdrawal process and the terms. Okay? She texts me this morning and said, I can't prove my 401k. Can we look at another option? Great. Called her. Now we're looking at down payment assistance programs. Mm-hmm. My point, though, is that her information on faith, shame on me, right, right, for not being confronting her with what issues are out there, and I let her make the decision because I said I can't issue a pre-approval letter without you telling me and showing me where the money's coming from. Just be, it's irresponsible. So my point is, is that that's why you got to go through the process is you might have great intentions as a client. Maybe there's a raise that you're thinking you're going to get. Right. Maybe there's a gift that your mom says you promise you, and then you get into a fight and that gift doesn't happen after all. So all these intentions are great, but when it comes down to it, the client has to be able to, when you talk to them, have to perform now. Right. And then what happens later happens later, but we have to perform now. Yeah. Yep. And, and go into that. That's great that you're talking about that. Let's talk about some of these programs, okay? The VA, the FHA, uh, go through them real quick, and then talk about some uh, some of the down payment assistance programs that are out there. So just to make it really uh, clear, I do a matrix when I sit down with folks, uh, folks about uh, getting qualified. There's three loans, conventional, VA, and uh, FHA. That's it. I won't talk about anything else. And of those, there's qualifications based upon the minimum down payment you could put down, your credit qualification, and something called debt ratio. Right. So in a nutshell, VA loan is one of the best loans out there because essentially you as a client, there's no required money down. However, it doesn't mean there's no out-of-pocket. That's the misnomer. When people hear no money down, they think no matter pocket, no. What it means is there's no minimum down you need, but there are closing costs. Closing costs are about $4,000. So that one 
is a really good loan. You need to have a 620 credit score. You have to be served in military. You have to show a discharge, uh, DD-214. You can still be active. Um, there's just all these other factors that are involved, but it's a great, great, great loan. Um, and then FHA loan, it's a good, another government loan. 3.5% down is all you need. It's very flexible. The thing about the two government loans is the rates are below 4%. Wow. Okay. They're really, really, really good. You could have a lower credit score. Uh, drawback to that is you're going to have something called mortgage insurance. Right. It's an extra tax or an extra fee. So you know how that works. But it's a very, very flexible loan. I'm doing a lot of FHAs right now because you could have a 640 credit score and still get a below uh, like a 4% rate. Wow. As opposed to conventional loan, your rate's going to be 5 because it's more strict. Right. Um, so, yeah, VA, FHA, conventional. And they're just, they're very vanilla. And the, what the loan officer or the realtor you're dealing with just to understand is, is you have to have a stable work history. You have to show proof that you have money to put down and so forth. So is rule of thumb two years uh, work history, is that still still apply? Yeah, so two years. to so talk about that. So here's the thing about it is, is two-year work <coughs> history no matter what. But okay. if you change industries, right. for example, let's say you're W-2'd two years ago and now you're self-employed hmm. for a year. You're not going to be able to qualify because they can't determine your income. Vice versa, if you're 100% commission sales car salesman and now you're a W-2 sales carsman, uh, car salesman, you can qualify because it's considered stable income now, right? Quote unquote. So yes, there's those are those are still in play, and believe it or not, the factors have loosened up a lot. They've gotten easier to do loans. But what they do is they do a lot of more backgrounds to make sure you didn't have any mortgage lates or short sales or Got bankruptcies. It. They do a lot more background stuff, and that's where the frustration comes in. Okay, uh, let's talk about the self-employed. Okay, the the commissioned because that's <laughs> near and dear to our hearts. Right. <laughs> uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Qualifications for that. Uh, what have they loosened up on on some of those things? Here's the reality, you know. What I've figured out in the broker world is there are some lenders that will say, hey, if you've only been self-employed for a year, we'll do your loan. Okay? The problem with that is Fannie Mae, Ginnie Mae, Freddie Mac, those are the big lenders where everybody gets their money. There's this box that we're all put in. And the reality is that box of self-employment, you need two years of stable income as a self-employed person with federal tax returns. And that's where the simplified loans come from. Okay. If you try to go outside the box, which maybe you had a foreclosure last year or a bankruptcy and or you're self-employed for one year and these other lenders are going to subsidize that loan, right. you're out of that box. Right. So you're not going to get a 4% rate. Right. You're going to get a 7% rate right. because there's more risk. So yes, they're available. I've done them and I've ended up almost pulling my hair out because I lose control as a lender. So I don't personally like doing them, to be honest with you, because they require so much work and the client gets so frustrated because they don't understand the process that, you know, let's be real. If you had a foreclosure last year, do you deserve a 4% rate? No, of course not. No, right? And do you deserve to be treated like right. like the average person who has a 720 yeah. who's shown history? No, that's that's the the hard part for clients because they feel like they're being interrogated and they're being judged when in fact the lender just being risky putting this risk layer to make sure they're not going to default again okay. so yes there are programs i don't really talk about them a whole lot because they're just more stressful for everybody else but the rule of thumb is 
two years federal tax returns if you're self-employed. Are they changing any of uh, the way that they're looking at withholdings on, on tax returns? Because you know a lot of self-employed people will put a lot of uh, expenses. Yeah. Can you take some of those expenses <clears throat> and claim them as income? Uh, the bottom line is no. The bottom okay. line is is all the guidelines are pretty much the same where you have, let's say you, your revenue is 150 a year in commissions, but you're writing off half of that. Right. Then that's your income. So your income is 75. 75,000. Okay. So that's the bottom line. So whenever we have a self-employed borrower, the hard part of getting them um, qualified is finding out, let's say they have a corporation or they have a partnership, is finding out what their actual income is. Okay. And that's really huge, too, because a lot of folks, they love the fact that they can, oh, I wrote, I wrote all this stuff off. and, and Yeah, but then and, there's your income. <laughs> exactly. And so when, when you go to get a loan, you're like, hey, you're only making 25000 a year. What? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yet they, they're crowing about how they're you know, living big, but they're getting taxed small. But when they go to get a loan, there's no qualifications right. there. The other factor is I had one client who's a ghost, had zero credit. What about people like that? Have you ever run into that? Say that one more time. Sorry. They're a ghost. They had no credit. They always paid cash. They never got a credit card, never bought a car on a loan. They, everything they did, they paid so, up front. Interesting about that, there's this philosophy that we grew up on, right, that said no debt is good debt. The problem is, is that if you're a lender, the only way that you could find out the legitimacy of a client is how they pay their bills. So your credit report, how I talk about the credit report, it's like a report card. Right? So, so people get laugh at this story. Is Let's say, remember you're in elementary school or middle school or high school, college, and you got four A's on different tests and quizzes, right? And then I maybe you're in college, <laughs> and then you bombed and you got an F, and then you got a D. Is your, is your grade an A anymore? No. It's probably a B minus. So how do you get an A? You have to either get an A or do extra credit. Mm-hmm. That's how your credit report works. It shows how much bad F's and D's you have compared to your A's. Right. So if someone has a 525 credit score, it's because they have one A and four F's. Right. So the no credit is actually better because then you can apply for credit, but then there's a six to eight month waiting time because now the way the algorithm works on the credit report is a show is get a credit card, pay it off get a credit card paid off so you're actually tricking it right but it works better than having bad credit right right so if right. someone has no credit the real there are lenders that will do that but again now you're now you open up this beast of their guidelines so the biggest advice i get people is go go to uh, your local credit union get a secured credit card where you put 500 dollars toward a credit card and use that and just pay it off every month boom 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 get two of them get a go get a gas card so get three trade lines and then six to eight months later, which goes really fast, by the way, we're already four months into the year. Right. Six months later, true. you can buy a house. So someone has zero credit score right now, they can buy a house by January 1st. The refi market, yeah. is, that, is that pretty good now? Because the rates, talk about the rates and what's going on. So let me, if you're a realtor or a lender out there, this is what I feel right now is that you're doing a disservice if you're not keeping touch with your clients. All right. Let's think about last year. It doesn't matter how many deals you close or who you close with, but a year ago, the rates were almost 0.75% higher wow. than they are now. So what's happening is the rates have dropped that much. So if you just call your client up and just say, hey, by the way, we bought a house last January. Have you seen rates? Looks like you had like a 4.875%. 
rates are in the fours, low fours, even below like 3.875, or you can change to a 15-year and take 15 years off your loan, you might want to look at getting that looked at hmm. because it's not just how much they can save, it's how much, how many years they can take off that loan. Right, right. And a simple phone call. So that's yep. what I've been doing for the last probably 45 days, yep. and I've gotten probably 12 deals from that. Because that's a good idea, and that's that's something that uh, I'm going to do with my past clients. Yeah. And, and it's all it is, is a simple it phone call. It's, it's like, hey, Nick, um, Albert here, just want to check in. Just wanted to see how life is going on, blah, blah, blah. And you bought a home last year, and I'm just doing a rate check. They dropped half a percent. Something you want me to look at, save you a couple hundred dollars a month. That's how easy it is. So, yeah, so rates, uh, refi boom is out. Um, you're seeing a lot of. Folks getting solicited, so your clients are getting solicited. So know that that people are calling them, and this is a good opportunity for you to call them and just check in and say hi. Good idea. That's a good plan. Plus, you're providing a service, and value. if you save them money, it's value. If you save them money, they're going to remember you. All of us know we get complacent. Yeah, we do these deals and forget about it. Yeah. we make love to our clients, right? Then that process for sixty days, and then all of a sudden. We move on to the next, and they feel that sometimes, and we're all guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is it's just a great opportunity just to check in with them and just say hi. Whether they do anything or not, they'll remember you because like, oh, man, maybe they're going to sell their house. Maybe the rates are so low that they're like, oh, shoot, we can maybe move and take advantage of that house we really wanted to buy because it's $200 a month less than we would have bought it last year. So that's another good reason why. Let's talk about real quick um, okay. jumbo loans. I know when I worked in the Bay Area, that was really big because of the, you know, the cost of housing out there. Um, what are they now? What's the limit? From what I see, the rates for jumbos are pretty good. I'm in a the broker world now, right? So jumbo has always been this weird anomaly because there's these loan limits we have, and then jumbo, there's only certain lenders that do jumbo, and they require two appraisals. Believe it or not, I have a lender that will let me go up to 725 loan limit mm. and consider it conventional. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. So there's some restrictions, but the bottom line is I'm seeing more quote-unquote jumbo loans, and they're still hard because they require different criteria and, and more reserves, but there are different lenders out there. Talk to them about different other lenders providing other services that allow them to go to a higher loan limit that where you don't have to go jumbo. Okay. And you don't have to get two appraisals. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to uh, put down X amount of dollars. Okay. And so I would look into that. So yes, there is a market for that, especially because, as we know, the reason why they raise loan limits is because the cost of living has gone up. Right. Every county has gone up. Right. What are they now? What's the limit now? So in Sacramento, it's uh, four eighty four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It has to five fifty. Okay. That's called high balance. Okay. And everything over five fifty is considered jump jumbo. Okay. Right? Okay. But not to confuse you is there's a lender I use that says you can go up to six seven twenty five, which right. is Bay Area loan limits. Right. Right. Then we can consider that conventional financing. Right. So right. talk to your lender and you know if you're out there and, and find out their specifics because everybody unfortunately has their own guidelines right so everybody seems like they're different but okay. all in all we're seeing more and more of those though because of the cost of okay. living going up so people ask me what does your crystal ball say and i say it says <laughs> sell now or it says buy now <laughs> that's what it says because nobody knows you know next year i tell people this i say listen next year is an election year 
We don't know what's going to happen. All I can tell you is what's going on now. We're going, it's a strong summer. Homes are selling. Rates have come down again. This is a great time to sell your house, or this is a great time to buy a house. Nobody can say what's going to happen a year from now. I had this conversation recently with a guy. So, you know, and I'm going to ask you the question, what does your crystal ball say about the rates? What's going to happen out there? So, funny story. So, December, I did a few videos that, that never aired. Thank God. <laughs> and one of the videos was prediction for 2019. Right. Based upon all the numbers that we're at, what we saw, the forecast, all lenders predicted them to be in the fives. Right. So what happens the second week in January, and they've been there for three months now, they plummeted one full point. Wow. So my crystal ball is gray. Mm-hmm. and it's not see-through, and it's a reflection of my mug <laughs> and my smile and my frustration. And my fo- Here's my crystal ball. It's always going to go up. Yeah. My crystal ball, it's always going to go up. If you try to time the market, you lose Right. every right. time. Right. Gambling, stock market, if you chase the market, you're going to lose. Yeah. So my suggestion is they're raw, easy numbers. They're raw numbers. You take the house last year that was $300,000. This year, it's three thirty. Okay, appreciation. Let's say three twenty to be, you know, pragmatic about it. And believe it or not, your payment is going to be less this year because the rates are lower. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, vice versa. Next year, that house is going to be worth three forty, three fifty, give or take. Rates are going to go up. Now you just lost two hundred bucks a month. Right. Because they're going to go up. Right. So my crystal ball is going to say the average. Over 30 years, interest rate is close to 6%. We've averaged in the last five years about four, four and a quarter note rate, right? That's not APR note rate. So Crystal Ball says the market's going to continue to go up. The rates are going to continue to go up. Clients need to look at where they're paying their rent. Does it make sense for me to buy a house? Mm-hmm. And instead of paying 100% interest rate, pay a mid four rate. Right. And does that make sense? Right, right. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Getting them to really adjust their mindset and start saying, start thinking like a buyer now. And what does that look like? And so that their emotions become aligned with what they understand. Because I'm sure you've talked numbers to people and, and it's like deer in the headlights because emotionally they're still intimidated by the whole process. And so the idea is getting them in that place where they're comfortable, their new comfort zone is I'm a home buyer and then start moving forward that way because once once people see something or they imagine it for themselves and their emotions get into that action starts taking place you know they start putting away the money they start reevaluating you know what they're doing and how they're spending and that sort of thing and uh, and it's, and it changes so one thing i'm seeing a lot of right now and it's just a weird phenomenon is because the way the stock market is and the amount of interest that's not being um, added on because the interest rates are low right now. Right. It's people are pulling from the 401k. Hmm. How do you suggest that you as a consumer, because people aren't saving. So you can save more money. How? By real estate. Right. You can save faster in real estate than your yep. own money. You can save $30,000 in real estate. It'll take you four years to save yes. by yourself. Right. So, and then they're getting gifts from their parents. But what I'm saying, the 401k is providing them again, you need to talk to your 401k specialist because there's different withdrawal terms of withdrawals right, right but the idea is if someone really needs a down payment 
I would prefer them to pull from the 401k than to get a down payment assistance program. Right. Because the rates are higher with them. There's more restrictions and this like that. But seriously, look at what the terms of withdrawal and you're going to find that you may be able to pull out that twenty, thirty thousand dollars and it may not cost you as much as you think to pay back and it's your money. Right. And if there's no penalty because right. there's usually a one time forgiveness for a hardship or buy a home for owner occupied. So I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing a lot more ten thirty one exchanges. Ten thirty one exchange is where you have an investment property that you're selling and in order to forego capital gains tax, you put it in this reservoir called right. 1031, and then that reservoir, you're able to pull from it to put for down payment on another like-minded investment property. So it's like a shell holding pad, holding shelter for it. I'm seeing a lot of that because people are pulling and then they're buying to stay in the market. It's just another another great way. For Is that a service you provide or do you, do you, do you uh, recommend someone for that? Yeah, what I have, I have someone that okay. uh, I recommend a couple people and... Um, but yeah, it's it's and it's not a hard process. Right. But if a lot of folks don't understand that they could forego this capital gains right. tax to do this. Right. So right. yes, if you're an investor out there, there are ways for you to do it, and people are cashing out because the values are there. Right. And they're buying like-minded properties down the road. Right. Excellent. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. Great. First-time home buyers. Yeah. Words of advice. Uh, what do you recommend for them to do? First thing, like I said, is budget. Okay. Like sit down with their spouse, significant other, or by themselves, and write, sit down and write down what their outgoing debt is and their incoming income. Okay. That's the first thing. Okay. Is where am I at? And then what can I cut back? And then once you do that, how much do we think we could save and where do we think we would save? Okay. And then sit down with a loan officer and have them pull their credit, not uh, Credit Karma or all these other places. They're not. No, they're they're called professional. They're called FICO scores or not FICO scores. Right. Sit down face to face with someone who's going to advise you. Don't talk to them. Talk to them on the phone if you want, but sit down and get comfortable, and then figure out where you're at. That's the first thing. Is it's the hardest part though, is looking yourself in the mirror and say, "Where am I at?" You may not like it. True story. When I first bought a house, my credit score was 550. I was not ready. My wife and I we had some stuff we we're doing through, and a uh, year and a half later, I bought a house. Because I just I had a plan, I sat down, right. I figured it out, and um, it works. So the the idea really is hope. We have to provide hope for these people, right? right? You may not be able to buy right now. That's right. okay. But sit down and figure out where, where you're at so you can buy in the next year. I like that. Have a plan. Yeah, plan. yeah. yeah. you're right because a lot of people don't do that. They don't sit down and talk about it. Real quick, shout out, uh, how can people reach you? Uh, 916-230-1537. That's my cell. I get texts all the time, or you can email me at albert at uwlmortgage.com, or I'm on Facebook. Shout out. Okay. Come get me. Thank you, Albert. Great having you here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Steps Podcast. We'll be back next week with some fresh topics about real estate news that's pertinent and relevant to you. You can follow us at Facebook or Twitter at Real Estate Steps. Be sure to subscribe to us at your favorite podcast streaming site. Also, you can follow us at realestatesteps.net. Contact us, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.